Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on a Monday night part two edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm now joined by Zachary Rosenblatt. It's a fun name to say. It's one of those names that I've enjoyed saying out loud in pra- in practice for this very podcast. Zach, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Chase. On average, how many times do you have to correct people on the Zachary spelling? Like, how, how many times? I had a friend who oh, had the Z-A-C-K. I, people, people, spell it Z- people spell it Z-A-C-H like probably 90% of the time. <laughs> it's always wrong. Yeah. Do you ever tell your it's, mom, it's a, like, what, what were you doing? What, what, what happened? Yeah, yeah. It's a, people always ask that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I uh, it, it's, at, it's at the point. I, I try not to correct people too often because you don't want to, you know, seem like a like a like a like a d i guess i don't i can't think of a nicer way to say it but uh but yeah i mean i i uh yeah people are always spelling it wrong <laughs> it's a it's a freak even people that i've been friends with for a long time spell it wrong yeah i uh it 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 happens but ultimately the good thing is that it's still zach either way it's still zach exactly so the pronunciation is all that matters um you cover the new york football giants and i have a lot of questions about this giants team coming into this year because they're starting to get a lot of buzz. They're starting to get, based on like how last season went, I think it probably exceeded a lot of the just people who were not covering the team every day or watching the Giants every day, like what their expectations were last year. And we we looked at it, and it it just it seemed like they overachieved. And I think maybe for me, my expectations of the Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, Dave Gettleman situation was like. Uh, I don't know. Are we going to just lose sight of things because they're in the NFC East and that will kind of cloud some things? But as it stands right now, like, do you think, barring injuries, and that's going to be part of it, but it's June 14th, if a Giants fan writes into you, writes you an email and saying, like, why should the Giants not be favored or be considered the favorites to win the NFC East, what do you say to them? Well, it, it really the fate of their season comes down to two things, and they're pretty connected. And one, one of them is Daniel Jones. Um, he has to be a lot better than he has been the first two years. He only threw 11 touchdowns in 14 games last year, which is kind of hard to do when you when you start every game. And, you, and this is a passing league, and they only had 11 touchdown passes from him. So that, that needs to be – I mean, there were a lot of factors in that. And, and the second part of that is one of the factors, the offensive line. Um, it was, by many metrics, either the worst or one of the worst offensive lines last year. And they're pretty much running it back with the same guys as last year. They they cut Kevin Zeitler, who was arguably their best lineman, uh, to save money to go and make all these other moves they made. So they're pretty much relying on, you know, they hired a new coaching staff on the offensive line, a bunch of guys. And they're pretty much relying on development of these young guys becoming good. And, you know, it's a risk. Um, when the offensive line is bad, the offense just doesn't work. And the Giants, Giants fans know that better than anybody because their offensive line hasn't been good probably since they won the Super Bowl. Um, 10 years ago now, which is crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it comes down to Daniel Jones, the offensive. I mean, obviously they have a lot of guys who have some injury history on other spots, but I think they're more loaded up in terms of talent at most positions. Maybe there's some on defense where they could do better, but they have a creative defensive coordinator, so you feel okay about it. Their secondary is loaded. The defensive line has some talent. Um, they don't have a great pass rushing group, but they can survive with it. So it, it really does come down to the offensive line, you know, outperforming what he did last year and Daniel Jones taking the leap that the organization has been acting like they believe he can take. Andrew Thomas is kind of like a linchpin for them, right? Like he kind of came on down the stretch last year, but he was, 
he was just seemed like a slam dunk uh, coming into the draft, and he was lost and was getting bad PFF grade after bad PFF grade. Um, do you think that, like things are going to be pretty okay there with Andrew Thomas? Is he going to be a long-term answer at his spot, or do you think there are still question marks with this coaching staff about where Thomas is in his development and if he can be, be the guy that they drafted him to be? Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because if you look at the draft, he was viewed as like the sure thing. Yes. And so they drafted him again uh, over all these other guys who wound up being stars as rookies. So that picked him. Like, I mean, it made sense at the time. Maybe like, I think there was a lot of people might have argued they should have picked a guy like Beckton or something, but they liked that, you know, Andrew Thomas was a little, it seemed like he was more pro ready. So they picked him and then, you know, Beckton goes and is great. Tristan Wirfs is playing like an all pro and Dredrick Wills was okay. Um, and so Andrew Thomas, like you said, he was just awful the first, like, 10 games of the year. I think he gave up the most sacks of any offensive lineman. And then he, he did play a lot better down the stretch and gave them a lot more. I think they really do believe in him as, like, a, you know, a linchpin of that offensive line. Um, he, he, I mean, he simply can't be as bad as he was last year if he doesn't. You know, I mean, I, he's probably arguably one of their top three to five most important players, probably top three, because if he doesn't pan out, then everything's kind of a mess. Um, they have question marks at all the other offensive line spots, you could argue. Um, he, he, in theory, he's the guy that they look at as, okay, we're good with Andrew Thomas and left tackle. We need to figure out where we are, you know, left guard, right guard, right tackle, and they like their center too. But um, So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's going to be a big thing. I, I think he can. I think he has the talent. I think he showed a lot of it at the end of the year. Um, he, you know, it, it, it's people forget I mean, because those offensive linemen played so well. Like last year, there was a weird offseason. They didn't have OTAs or mini camp. They didn't have a preseason, so he kind of got thrown into the fire. And offensive line, everybody always says it's the hardest position to transition to in the NFL. So um, having a full offseason under his belt, he is a little banged up right now. He should be healthy for training camp. Um, he should be good to go. But if he's not, then there's going to be a big problem. Joe Judge, year one. What did he get right, and what did he get wrong in your estimation? When you get, well, I think you know it, it's. I've talked about this a bunch. Like they were one and seven, and I've never seen a coach have as high of approval rating as he did. And <laughs> mm-hmm. that, like the, the the New York just absolutely loves him. And you know, I think most of the blame was falling on like Jason Garrett last year when they were struggling, which is fair or not. He he is the head coach, so let I me mean, Joe Judge is the head coach, so I don't know. But um, yeah, you know what I think he he accomplished more than anything was he got his team playing hard till the very end. You know, he. he he got a lot of flack for his training camp methods, but at the end of the year, they clearly had better stamina than the teams they were playing at the end of the games. And the players have pointed this out. They're like, we didn't feel tired. And you can kind of see the other guys kind of getting a little tired. So like his training camp methods kind of pay off in the long run. Um, you know, I think he still has a lot to prove. I think the hype has probably gotten a little too extreme in New York. I, I think he still has a lot. He still needs to show that he can, you know, now that he has the talent, like last year, they didn't have the talent and he got them to six wins and nearly making the playoffs, which, it's kind of a misnomer because of the division they were in, but they did almost make it. They were a game away, six and ten. You know, it was an improvement from the previous year. So, I mean, if they if they take the next step, then he deserves a lot of credit. But if they don't, then he also deserves some of the blame. Interesting. Um, is there something to, I guess, maybe to watch for with the Freddie Kitchens, Jason Garrett offensive stuff this summer? Is that something fans should monitor? I think it's worth keeping an eye on because I think what you have there is. You know, Jason Garrett, in theory, is on. I mean, I would hope he's on the hot seat after they had second worst scoring offense in the league last year. They averaged 17 and a half points a game, which is inexcusable considering, you know, they invested all this stuff in, in their offensive play. I know they lost Saquon Barkley, but you, your offense can't fall apart when you lose a running back. Um, and so, you know, Jason Garrett is on the hot seat. You know, he, was, he, he missed a game because of COVID. 
and then Freddie Kitchens came in and they took more shots down the field, which they had it with Jason. And they they have the personnel to take shots down the field this year. Maybe they he didn't believe they did last year. And so I think if you know it's interesting because you you in theory have the replacement for Jason Garrett on the staff already. And you know I think Jason knows that Freddie Kitchens got promoted to a different role. I think he's be more heavily involved in the game plan uh, each week, and I think he's going to be heavily his hands are going to be in more areas than when he just coached tight ends last year. And so I, I, I don't, you, you wonder if that's kind of something Jason's thinking about. I know he wants to be a head coach again, but you know if if, if the offense is better, this team is going to be good, and Jason Garrett's going to be fine, and Freddie Kitchens is going to be fine, and maybe Jason Garrett gets a job somewhere else. But um, yeah, that, I mean that, that is something to keep an eye on. I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye on how it looks in training camp, like how involved Freddie Kitchen is around the offense. How important is this year going to be for Daniel Jones? And does he does he know? Does the coaching staff know? Does Gettleman know? Is there just a lot of pressure within the organization on just what Daniel Jones is this year? I mean, I I think even if they all won't admit it, I think they do know. They understand the pressure that's on him. They. I mean, they went on a spending spree, and the owner has come out and said, like, I'm tired of losing. I mean, he said, yeah. he said that a lot over the years. But, um, you know, he's tired of losing, and, you know, they invested in all these – you know, they got Saquon Barkley second overall. They got – they spent this money on Kenny Galladay. They signed Kyle Rudolph. They drafted all these offensive linemen early. They drafted Kenny Tony in the first round. Um, you know, so they, they've brought all these pieces in around Daniel Jones. If he doesn't accomplish it, you know, they have an extra first-round pick next year from the Bears – um, they don't have a lot of cap space, but they, so they're going to have two first round picks in addition. I think they have like another fourth or something like that. So you have all those first. And so in, in theory, if Daniel Jones is bad, it wouldn't be too hard to trade up and go and get a, a new young guy to replace him with. So I, I think there's pressure on him. Um, and if he fails then a lot of the people in this organization might be losing their jobs. I mean, you would think Dave Gettleman kind of banked everything on Daniel Jones panning out. And if he doesn't, then he's, in, you'd think it'd be in trouble. Joe judge would probably be safe, but, you know, when you have a new GM, you know, who knows what he thinks about the new, about the coach that's already there. So um, there, there's certainly a lot of pressure. I, mean, I think he's pretty good about letting any things bother him, but it doesn't even matter if he's turning the ball over again. So if he stops turning the ball over and he has a – he doesn't even need to be a star. If he can just be, you know, a guy that just doesn't lose the game for you, then they could be pretty good. What is the most Eli thing about Daniel Jones? Most Eli – I mean – the way they look is just they look exactly the same it's, and and they're like emotional they're like physical and you know facial reactions to things like it, it's very similar i think eli had a little more personality and you're especially seeing that now that he's retired mm-hmm. i know there was times where he's playing throughout his career eli's really like break social media and stuff but i think he showed a little more personality he was a little better in press conferences daniel like does everything he can to not say anything i, I, I just think that's his personality i don't know if he's a particularly like talkative interesting guy away from the away from the field but he's they, they it's it's like impossible not to see the similarities when you look at them who's been your favorite giant to cover thus far who's the most interesting favorite to giant who do you love to talking cover. to yeah who do you love talking to mm, that's a good question so it's been tough because so i i'm in my second year on the giant so i the entire time i've covered the giants has actually been like via zoom and, yeah. and doing stories like that but i'll say so last year i did a story on leonard williams which i really enjoyed writing and i talked to him and so he has, he has, you know, he's a, he's a unique dude. He had his best year of his career last year. Um, and last offseason, he started doing deep sea uh, spear fishing hmm. where he, like, goes underwater and basically stabs fish. Um, <laughs> and that was, like, his, like, his like way to get away. And, you know, because he's a guy that's been criticized throughout his career and his first-round pick, and he wasn't living up to the hype for a long time. And 
and and he just like doesn't let anything bother him and he kind of like went there to like clear his mind and then he came back and had the year of his life and and he's a lot of times these guys like would rather not talk about all the football stuff and once i started asking him about the fishing he he, he even like thanked me like thank you for talking to me about this stuff he, he talked for a while about all the fishing and all that stuff so he i think he's one of my favorite guys he's just like just nothing bothers him and he's kind of, he's kind of low-key and even just following on Instagram, the dude is just having the time of his life. He goes on like safaris. He plays with exotic animals. He fishes, and and, and I've enjoyed covering him for sure. What is the the most interesting thing you've gleaned from Dave Gettleman since you've been covering him? That I've gleaned from him. Mm-hmm. Oh man, um, I mean he he doesn't care what people think. Honestly, like he so you, press conferences. You, you don't think he cares? Yeah. Like there's nothing about it. he's just no, like, no. I'm doing my own thing. It's it's real with him. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I so I, it's funny. I did before I was on the Giants beat, like a little before I like fully joined it. I did a like long story about him. So he, I, I like read something where he was a driver's ed teacher back in the day, in high school. <laughs> and so I, and so I I like tracked down to high school. I went out there. I got a bunch of hilarious photos of him as a teacher back then. I talked to all these people who like absolutely love him and called him their hero. Like he he was just an amazing person to all of them, and and he's been the same way since then. Like he's just, just like a no nonsense. He says what he's thinking. I, that's the thing. Like, you know, a lot of times before the season, what'll happen is like a beat. Rep- the beat reporters will get like one-on-ones with the GM, you know, on background or whatever, and, and and stuff. You don't really get much out of Dave because he says everything he's thinking in the in the press conferences for the most part. So it's uh, you know, I mean, it, it it's good or good or bad for the Giants. I think sometimes I'm sure they would like prefer that he just gave non-answers. So he he just can't help himself but to show like his personality sometimes, which is good for us because. Like Joe Judge is very good at not showing emotion or personality mm-hmm. whenever possible, um, and, and then you have Dave, who you know somebody. If you ask him a question enough times, he'll say some ridiculous answer. And you know, I think early in his tenure at the Giants, it, I think he was it came across as cockiness a little too much, more than he deserved. Then as they started losing, that kind of went away. And then they had this, they had a good end of the year last year, and and they had a big off season. I think he's slowly getting back to that where he feels pretty good about himself and, you know, all the criticism he's been getting, he, he doesn't think it was deserved. But, I mean, if you look at the record, it clearly was. But, I mean, he's, he's entertaining, to say the least. I'll, I'll say that much. What do you um, – what do you what, what are your expectations this summer? What is the plan? Like, how much is opening up? How much are you going to be able to start visiting with these guys? Like, how much do you think you'll be able to get back to normal this, this summer and this fall? Um, I, my impression is that the NFL is going to try and avoid doing the lock locker rooms this year i hope that's not like a permanent thing that's an important part of our job i think but i mean what the fun part is like fans will be back to games which i really definitely missed last year it was very strange being at empty stadiums and and having the you know the sound pumped in i'm gonna be going to the road games again which i didn't go to last year um but yeah i don't know i mean i'm hoping you know whether i'm sure there a lot of stuff will still be on zoom but i'm hoping you know at games or whatever they do some in-person stuff where I don't know, they pull a few guys aside and we interview them socially distanced or whatever, maybe not because if we're vaccinated or something, I don't know. But I I hope there's some sort of compromise. I I think there will be. I I, I think they're still negotiating that. Um, I don't, it it is kind of frustrating that I don't have any idea as we head into the summer, but hopefully by the time July comes around, we'll get a little bit closer to normal. Um. I worry about that for you guys and just all my reporter friends and just the longer this goes, yeah. the more concerned I am that uh, it's going to be harder to get uh, these teams and these leagues to open back up to what it was. Cause they're just going to get conditioned to being pushed away and being closed off. Um, I'm concerned. Yeah. And I think, and, I'll, and I'll, also part of it is they're not like 
since they're not mandating vaccines, which I guess is their right. Yeah. Um, that can all, that's also a way, like if, if a player is choosing not to be vaccinated, then it, I guess it would kind of be against protocol to have them near us. So yeah. I don't know. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this works. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here, Zach. Um, when you look at the the depth chart right now, um, including the incoming rookie class, we've gotten reports of Kadarius Tony's early struggles. But when you look at it, who do you think from this rookie class and who on the free agent market that they brought in do you estimate will have the biggest impact this fall for the Giants? Um, in terms of the rookies, I would start with Aziz Ojolari, who they got mm. in the second round, Ed Rusher. Um, I think they value him as, as a first-rounder. They w- I think they would have considered him in the late first round. They, they wanted to get Tony. They really liked him. They traded back in the second round, and he was still there. Um, I think there were some questions about his knee. I don't think the Giants believe they're actually an issue. He's, he's almost immediately going to step in as a starter at outside linebacker, I would guess. They, they badly needed one there. So I, I would, I mean, they they kind of need him to make an impact. They need some pass rushers. So I, I would, I'll put him at the top there. Um, and then in terms of like the guys they brought in, I, I guess Kenny Galladay would be the obvious one. Um, he's going to be the number one receiver right away. Him and Daniel Jones have really made an effort to like bond and and all that good stuff. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. And, and just kind of like a sneaky one I would add is Kyle Rudolph, who they who they signed. Um, I think he fits the mold of like a tight end that. Jason Garrett really likes. I think he's going to be a red zone weapon for Daniel. I think they're already hitting enough. He's a little banged up right now. He's had surgery, but uh, he's a good blocker. Like I, I think he's going to play a pretty decent role. There you go. There you go. What can we check out from you at NJ.com this week, Zach? Yeah, you know, we're just wrapping up mini camp and kind of looking ahead to training camp a little bit. There's a lot of content right now. We're, we're kind of hitting the summer break, you know, the where at, at when mini camp hits, it's kind of like going to summer break in high school, and then you, everybody comes back at the end of July. So the stretch is a little slower, but I try to try to fill it in with some interesting content when I can. All right. Well, keep up the great work, sir. Thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it, Zach. And uh, you stay safe out there and uh, enjoy enjoy the ride because I think uh, covering New York this fall will be a wild ride. But I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. Zach, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks again for having me, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.